I'm Craig Fisher, and this is Inside Talent, where we take you into the minds behind the scenes and show you some of the coolest tools and best practices of some of the coolest people in the talent industry. My guest today is Amy Buchko, Director of Talent Acquisition Solutions at SAIC. Inside Talent is brought to you by Visage.jobs. Visage is the crowdsourcing platform for sourcing. Hey, it's Craig Fisher. Welcome to Inside Talent. Uh, today, my guest is Amy Butchko. She is the Director of Talent Acquisition Solutions for SAIC, uh, which is one of the leading government contractors for things like digital transformation. And Amy is, uh, is coming to us from Virginia. Is that right? I am. And uh, Virginia. Northern Virginia. And yeah. uh, thanks for being here, Amy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Craig. Um, thanks for having me today. So I am the person who handles all of the recruitment, marketing and sourcing and the digital transformation of our talent acquisition team at SAIC. So I lead a team of people who does all of those things. And I'm excited to talk to you about that today. All right. So uh, fun story, uh, Amy and I met back in 2017. I believe I was speaking at the Recruit DC conference yeah. and telling a story of how I did a digital transformation for uh, our employer brand at CA Technologies, formerly Computer Associates, uh, with a team of some you know very smart uh marketers that were uh working on my team there uh you know at the time in 2015 when i started there you didn't really get handed a team of four people who were just uh doing recruitment marketing and employer branding uh, activities you know globally uh you kind of had to grab this coordinator over here and this recruiter over here and, and kind of put it together and uh, we did a lot of cool stuff and i shared that on stage and Amy connected with it and, and uh, you know, connected with me afterwards and basically said, this is what I want to do and, and I'm working on it. And so we've traded notes over the uh, ensuing years and she's sent me a note recently to say I did it and here we are. <laughs> yeah, Craig, um, I remember that. Uh, I remember your talk vividly and I remember taking a ton of notes and coming back and telling my boss and remember at the time I was a solo practitioner doing employment marketing and it was not something, as you say, you know, people weren't really talking about it the same way then. It was sort of like, you know, you're a recruiter ad adjacent, um, but what do you really do? And so I, but I came back and I said, I know what I want to be when I grow up and I, and I need a team. And so it was uh, really, it was a fun moment for me to, to sort of figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, but also to have a, a little bit of a roadmap and just somebody who had done it. Um, at an organization that at the time was pretty much exactly the same size as SAIC was at that time. So I was like, okay, so you've got a legacy brand, you took a, a new team and a bunch of new ideas, and you scrapped some old technology and got some new technology and made this work. And it was really, it, it was a moment for me that kind of crystallized 
but it was possible after kind of toiling a bit in obscurity for a few years, wondering, you know, as a, you know, I, my background was as a sourcing recruiter. So I was always the person that was back there, you know, building the fancy Boolean searches and trying to figure out, you know, how to find the next technologist to fill a role and had, you know, and I had sort of transitioned into being the person who ran our recruitment marketing system. And I was the only person there who knew how that thing worked anymore. And oh, by the way, it too was on its last legs. So I was really searching for inspiration at that time for like, how do we make this transition into modern times and, and get out of this legacy mindset? So it was really helpful and I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, uh, upgrading a CRM or just, you know, kind of starting fresh with um, good data and things like that can make all the difference in the world. Uh, I, I, so there's a lot of CRM companies who will tell you that we want uh, all the recruiters to be able to have access to and utilize the CRM and, and you know, make it easy for them. and mm -hmm. I've always said that I don't think that uh, recruiters need a CRM at all, and nor will they use it very much, um, right? And it should be, mm -hmm. it should be wielded as any, um, you know, HubSpot tool type tool would be by admins and, uh, and and professionals who know what they're doing with it, so that you're not accidentally spamming candidates and uh, possibly customers and. Uh, yeah, right. Current employees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what was your experience in, uh, you know, getting the change done to kind of move to a new system and, uh, you know, how'd you get the buy-in and, and what did you do for, you know, the, the user experience afterwards? That's a great question, Craig. And we disagree a little bit about, um, whether or not recruiters have a place with a CRM, but I think that adoption you're correct about, and, and it's challenging to get a large team using a new system. But when you look at the question of why did we make the change and then how did we get buy-in, that's a, a pretty good story. And it's one that I think um, I will take with me through the rest of my career because, you know, just like I kind of remember the moment when I was like, this is a real job, I'm in. I um, also remember the moment when I was sitting with our CHRO at the time and walking her through the apply process that we had at the time that took 25 minutes to complete when you knew the right buttons to push, which I did. And it was a really painful 25 minutes. Um, I'm not sure I still have that outfit because I probably sweated through it. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, really showing our senior leadership what our candidates are having to go through all the time to even just apply to a job, that they, it really crystallized for the organization that, okay, we've got to get, we've got to get this. And if we're going to try to be attracting the best and the brightest talent into, you know, come solve some of the nation's biggest problems, we've got to kind of treat them the way they're used to being treated by consumer brands. And so, the, you know, once that idea took hold, we were off. 
um, you know, of course, the change doesn't happen overnight because then there's an RFP and there's all that other stuff. And, you know, and I think that, you know, one of the things that was a real hallmark of that process was bringing so many of our functional groups together as stakeholders, getting the buy-in internally and helping, you know, really mold, you know, the tool that we chose and how we made that decision. So flash forward today, our apply process, I can get it done in 60 seconds because I still know all the buttons to push. But if you don't, we average, it's less than five minutes. And our apply process, oh, by the way, asks, you know, what is your security clearance? And asks, you know, some, what are your certifications? You know, and it, it's not like, you know, we haven't dumped it down to, you know, name, address, and email. It, it's a full apply process that used to live in our ATS and take forever to complete. So, the the real change that happened for us was being able to go from where we basically lost 99% of our mobile applicants which is a you know something that'll keep all of us awake at night to being able to convert even almost all of our mobile applicants and today 70% of the people who start an application at SAIC finish it which is a very high completion rate and a great candidate experience on that front end. So, you know, just that alone has been a real important transformation for us um, just on the very, at, at the very front end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, so it really is all about candidate experience and, you know, when you get down to the end, but I don't, I don't know that uh, executive management understands that as well as they could or should, right? And you have to really sell that. Well, you know, just, just you know, I, I was sitting in that conference room with a laptop and a, an iPhone, and you're like, here you go, do this. Try to fly, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and once, once they see it and, you know, and, and then, you know, I think that another thing that's really happened in the ensuing years, you know, I mean, when you were doing this in 2015, this would not have been the case. But today, you know, digital transformation is a word that people know. A strong online consumer-like experience is something people expect. And that's, you know, whether you're on our board of directors or you're a recruiting coordinator or you're, you've never heard of us, we all have that expectation that we're going to hit, you know, buy that product and that we're going to be able to track it through the process. And mm -hmm. when it shows up at my house, I will be informed by a device that sits in my kitchen. Right. right? So <laughs> a lot has Absolutely. changed yeah. that's kind of helped us be able to tell that story a little more effectively. Wouldn't it be great if we could send uh, candidates uh, a, a, a round box that plays music and lights up when your resume has been reviewed by a manager? Well, Craig, I think we should invent that and retire. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you can use <laughs> you can use some of those devices for uh, job searching. Um, and all you have to do is say it, right? And uh, it will give you some results, which is interesting. Um, but uh, I, I do think we should invent that. And I think at the very least, there should be um, a, a real good way that a candidate can just get a simple text message back saying, here's where you are in the process, right? And a little bit of automation goes a long way in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and so I get a lot of, first of all, I, I wanna commend you on 
shortening the apply process uh, for one thing, because that's that's one of the scores that we base uh, and you know a, an employer brand audit on versus competitors. Mm-hmm. How many screens does it take for someone to get through your apply process? How long does it take versus your competitors? Mm-hmm. And if you can shorten that at all, you know, and in your situation, clearly there's a lot of a lot of hoops people have to go through to apply, um, and and you've done a good job. But then next, uh, you know, very often when companies ask me about their tech stack, they say, uh, you know, we need we need AI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mm-hmm. first question is, uh, why do you need mm-hmm. AI? And they just think they do because everybody's talking about it. And that's not really necessarily true, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a text application that sends a confirmation or some communication, it's not really AI. It's a little bit of machine learning and some some process mapping. And right. it's, it's not complicated, um, but it should be done. It can save recruiters a lot of time. Uh, agree. And, you know, I, I am also skeptical when people start saying things like AI, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've built some of this stuff and you're literally looking at the thing that's thinking behind the robot right now. That's um, right. You can hear my voice and, yeah. you know, and we are telling the robot what to do. And I, I tell my boss that all the time, you know, don't worry, the robots are not taking over. It's still us. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because when, uh, when I hear, and there's a flip side to this conversation, which is, well, you know, machines can be less biased. And I, we have not proven myself, that. We haven't proven that. And it's still humans that build the machines, write the software, create the uh, answer trees, yep. and do the scoring right? of the answers. Yep. All, all, of the, it. all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so humans are biased. And so there's an inherent flaw there. Yep. Um, but I think we're getting a little bit closer. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I don't think AI is is the answer for everything. No. Uh, so you mentioned earlier um, that you uh, you went through sort of the painful process of uprooting an existing CRM and, mm-hmm. and implementing a new one. Mm-hmm. Did you put together a project team from operations and, you know, kind of all over the place? to work, there's usually multiple work streams going on when you're doing a CRM evaluation Mm -hmm. and then implementation. So how did that go? Good question. And the the entire process, all the credit really goes to our IT organization for, you know, building a terrific process where we had the ability to pull cross-functionally, you're correct. So we had people from talent acquisition operations, talent acquisition proper, you know, because I was there, you know, we insisted on having some recruiters present, which I, I think is sometimes not said that a lot of times the people who pick out recruiting software aren't the people who are using it or will ever have to use it. Right. And, you know, so we tried to build a team that was recruiter centric, which was terrific, mm-hmm. but also include folks who could represent and be stakeholders from parts of the business. 
the people who are going to have to fund it, the people who are going to have to help us maintain it, the people mm -hmm. who are going to have to run the servers and, and do all of the back end stuff and help us configure it. Because as we just discussed, the robots really don't come pre-configured. Mm -hmm. So don't no. let them fool you. That's right. <laughs> so, so that process was really nicely done. And, you know, I rem I still remember that scoring spreadsheet and having to go through and, and you know, bit by yeah. bit by bit, do mm -hmm. all of that. And then at the end, the results that, that came out of that process were different than what any of us expected. Mm -hmm. Because, but, but because we had all those stakeholders involved, I think we arrived at the right decision. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. I think um, if you stick to, because it's easy to create your scoring system and then kind of fudge towards the score you want. Mm -hmm. And and I think if you have people that aren't entrenched in uh, recruiting as part of the process, but also recruiters um, as part of the process, then you know you you do get a a, a really um, good mean there. And the score is the score. And if you can stick to that, uh, you're in really good shape. And so. I love that it wasn't what you thought it would be. Uh, that's great. Yeah, in fact, the, the vendor we ended up picking was the one that I had thrown in at the end. Mm, really? Like nine, there were nine vendors on there, and I was like, hey, why don't we throw these guys on there and just see, because you know they, they had been sending me uh, email communications, and the stuff that they were putting together was pretty sharp, and I was like, why not? You know, We've got these nine other people we're going to be evaluating, and let's look at it. <laughs> Um, so, oh, and the vendor that's been hounding you for 12 months is just crushed. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting because, you know, you, you really, with CRM vendors, what I've really noticed is, you know, you've got the ones that really focus toward, you know, an executive audience. Mm -hmm. And then you've got ones that focus more on like college recruiting and stuff like that. And, and right. you know, maybe a little bit of candidate experience. And then there there's kind of a, a narrow middle where, you know, real recruitment and real marketing stuff can happen. Um, I think that may have changed because it's now been a few years since we've done that process, but that's what I found at the time. And, and it was, I was really happy to have that objective process. And I was really happy to have that input from my colleagues who had already done software implementations for other parts of the business. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And that's a good point because at the end of the day, it's a software implementation and that's never easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I still right. have the scars. That's yeah. why we're a turtleneck. Well, and so uh, something else you said that, you know, recruiters aren't always included. The people using the software aren't always included in the process of selection and implementation. And I think that, you know, I think to myself all the time, there's all these recruitment software products that are built by a team of people who've never done recruitment. And yes. it makes me cringe. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and I, I think the world is, is, a, is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, maybe we'll fix it. I mean, I think that, you know, for folks like us though, who are in positions to make decisions and have sat in the chair yeah. recently, you know, it, I, I do think it it is potentially changing things. And, you know, there's always going to be components or times when you have to train your vendors, you know, because your business is special, you've got unique things, you, you, you speak slightly different languages and that's cool. But, you know, recruiting is still recruiting in some ways. And, you know, when you do, 
when you just have engineers who are sort of making cool things, it can be frustrating when that that person, you know, because if you think a candidate's experience is important, well, you know, recruiter experience is also important. It Why is. are we pushing these buttons on the other end? Is it just because yeah. like the software told us to? We have to do that. You know, I think, you know, if if more of us can really, you know, become engaged in, in this as a profession, right? This is not just a bunch of tips and tricks about how to do employment marketing. This is a profession and it's more than that. And, you know, maybe we can, you know, sort of advance this a little bit and, and get people speaking our language a little bit more. Absolutely. And, you know, I say this all the time, you do have to engage with your vendor and direct the vendor to make them better. And when you do that, then other companies, other employers can then benefit from what you've done if you put in the work to mold that in the right direction, get the integrations you want. Yep. Um, right. And, and, and really put together something that is replicable by that vendor for other employers. And one of the things I see all the time is uh, talent acquisition leaders want to implement software, but strip out the services layer of that software implementation after the fact. And then yep. there's no one to wind the clocks. And yep. uh, and your vendor is not nearly as responsive because, right, you've basically taken most of the profit out of the deal for them. The software is kind of a, a giveaway. Yes, that's 100% true. And we had ac actually learned this through having a legacy recruitment marketing system. So today, <laughs> you know, if, if you're hearing me and you don't have a recruitment marketing system, please hear me as, an, as a voice of experience. You know, having had a legacy recruitment marketing system that was acquired twice mm -hmm. after you bought it and was then owned by a giant behemoth and those of you who have been in the industry you know who you know who this is it, it was almost impossible to get support if you right. wanted a single word changed on your career site it was a work order and $5000 it was mm -hmm. i mean it was like and, and it took forever so yeah. you know so if what had happened with that situation was is that you sort of had something that was extraordinarily transformational at the time and still has things about it that are, are, are even aspirational today for some systems. But you had this great system and then it was gobbled up. And by the time it got to the other end, you know, it kind of lost its soul. And, you know, when that happens, you know, it kind of still mechanically does the things that it needs to do, but it's not evolving. Mm -hmm. And the, the suggestions for how to keep it current are not welcome. Right. So all they're really trying to do is just try to figure, figure out how to get you onto the next product. And a lot of That's times right. what we found is that the, the next iteration of that product was not best in class and it was not right for us. So what mm -hmm. we had to do was do a full analysis of what our needs were and then create an answer to those questions with a new vendor. Right. Yeah. You may remember I went through the process to get a new vendor and then the legacy vendor said, oh, well, you can have our CRM for free because you've got all these credits with us. Uh -huh. And I ended up being forced to implement two CRMs at once. Oh. <laughs> oh. Talk about a nightmare. That's, that does not sound like fun at all. Uh, no. <laughs> so, it was not fun. And no. so, yes, yes, people listening to this, keep that relationship with your vendor 
good and pay for mm -hmm. the services uh, part of the contract. Yeah. And it's, it's well worth it because the best vendors want that kind of uh, almost daily interaction with their customer. It's that too, but Craig, you know, back in, like, if we were to flash back five, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. the rate of obsolescence for a new technology, you know, you could keep something. I mean, you could keep a computer for five years and it oh, yeah. would be fine. Today, right. you know, things become obsolete faster and faster and faster. So mm -hmm. you really can't count on, you know, and it's not your vendor's fault. No. You know, they're under pressure to modernize and, and you know, become innovative and all of that kind of stuff too, just like we are. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you can't buy something, expect it to stay static and, and never grow. It's just, we're not in that world anymore. Yeah. And a lot of that evolution comes from customer feedback, right? I mean, Correct. where we, where we push those vendors into advancing is, mm -hmm. is where they make their, their best strides. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, software vendors aren't the enemy. They're just, they don't understand yet where you need to be. And, uh, and we can, we can fix that. Absolutely. Yeah. And being able to, to communicate that is, is extremely important, um, and make you know, cause it is an investment for, for both of you. Oh yeah. Well, so, um, you've successfully, uh, now put together a combination of uh, recruitment marketing and sourcing to you know, fill the top of your funnel and yep. convert applicants better. And it's working and you're able to you know, uh, bring a lot of your processes in house yep. and, and make it all you know, happen in the nest. So um, how do you feel about it? What do you think the future is? And um, you know, what were the best wins there for you? Good question. I think, you know, I'm thinking about a comment that I, I got from one of my vendors that I'm one of the only people that he works with that runs both the recruitment marketing and the sourcing thing out of the same shop. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to do it in any, any other way. I mean, I was, you know, I have a degree in, in marketing, but you know, that's that was on paper, so uh, yeah. literally. Um, they don't teach you that much in. They don't marketing teach it, no. But, no. <laughs> Writing those newsletters and and you know newspaper articles was not you know it's kind of useful but not that That's much. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so my career as a recruiter and as a sorcerer really informed a lot of this, and then you know so it's then sort of like evolving into you know what is the recruiter of the future, and I think that recruitment and marketing are sort of converging toward the same place. Mm -hmm. And so, which is why I disagree with you that recruiters should be in the CRM mm -hmm. um, and should have some capability to touch that technology and, and work with it and build campaigns and do things within their own lines of business, especially at a big enterprise like the one that, that I'm at, where mm -hmm. we have lots of different jobs and lots of different career paths. So, so we, we can agree to disagree on that, but I think that where the, the marketing and sourcing complement each other so nicely is that the, the sourcing organization, you know, when you have hard to fill, hard to find, highly cleared, the things, the, the people that are really legitimately rare 
um, in nature, you kind of have to have a brute force operation to be able to go seek and find them. That's it. You just have to be able to go find them. Mm -hmm. And you have to resource that team to be able to do that. So, you know, we built that part of the operation first because it answers your most immediate problem. I need a systems engineer who's done model-based systems engineering in Maryland, you know, to go to go do this work. And that has you know, a secret or, clearance. That has a top secret. Oh yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, secret clearance. That's what you crank, you make it so easy. Yeah. So yeah. Top right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so so being able to do that while you're while we built the recruitment marketing piece where, you know, I call our us fast followers of our employer of our regular SAIC brand, you know, mm -hmm. the employment brand is, is different, but you know, because we're a government contractor, we really don't have a consumer brand. So right. it's a little, it is a little different, but you know, so we have built the, the recruitment marketing function to be able to provide greater volume and do some of the, the heavier lifting around getting applicants into our funnel more efficiently, which really, and what we've seen is it has enabled that sourcing organization, they don't get bogged down into things that ultimately could have, you know, easily found applicants if only we had a little engine behind it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of just see what's happening is efficiency. And it's it's kind of nice to see, you know, where we can do a little bit of hiring in advance of, of demand or locating and building talent networks in advance of demand and, you know, creating relationships with people who didn't know us before and reinforcing those messages with marketing so that when they do see something, and they're like, oh, I recognize mm -hmm. them. Yeah, you've shown up in their peripheral vision a few times, which is Correct. great. Correct. And that's, that's the yeah. game. So yeah, so it's a force. So the marketing piece becomes a force multiplier for the brute force of mm -hmm. going and finding the hardest to find people on the planet. Boy, that's a quote of a quote right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, great. So Amy, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you like to do in your free time. What do you got going on this weekend? You know, what, let's let's get to know Amy a little bit. Okay, so. Sunday afternoons, I take a pottery class. Um, <laughs> I started, you know, and, and this is this is a uh, one of the things that I'm I'm proud of because I'm not good at it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, my mother, not good at my, it. my mother and grandmother uh, shared a kiln. They literally did it that that much that they actually fired stuff at my grandmother's house. Oh my uh, gosh. And so I grew up watching this happen. And so I'm kind of fascinated that you're not good at it, getting into it. And, uh, and that's coming up on Sunday. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I started, I had, um, I had started 2020 and I thought I should get out more. Isn't that funny? 2020, I should get out yeah. more. Ha, ha, right. Yeah. Joke's <laughs> on you, Amy. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely have a very ironic sense of humor. And um, the, obviously the class was delayed. So I just started potting in June. I'm not very good at it, but um, I have found that it is a, um, it's really cathartic and um, it, it helps me, it helps me think. It's when I come up with my good ideas for, for my day job. How about you? What's up for this weekend? 
I love that. Uh, so not much. Uh, we've got the kids here this weekend, and it is going to be in the tens in the temperature. Uh, and starting Sunday, we're going to get uh, blizzard-like uh, incremental weather. And uh, it's going to be real fun hanging out inside the house for yeah. the, next, know, yeah. the next several days. So Texas and ice go together, except mm. Texas ice and driving do not, That's if right, I recall yeah. from when I lived down there. Right. Well, and uh, it was just yesterday morning. Uh, we had black ice on one of the highways in Fort Worth, and there was a hundred car pileup with multiple fatalities. So, um, everything's I'm not bigger in Texas. That's right. We're not driving anywhere. Uh, right. I can, fortunately, I can walk to the convenience store. It's a, it's a little country corner store. Uh, it's two blocks from my house. If I okay. really need something, I can, right. yeah, I can stay go home. We run out of dog food, you know. That's uh, right. But, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to have a we're going to have a fun time being great indoorsmen. Perfect. That sounds like right. fun. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that weather doesn't come up here and keep me from my pottery class. <laughs> uh, it's it's slow moving, uh, so you you'll you'll get it at some point, but it's it'll be a while. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, Amy, thank you very much for joining us today on Inside Talent. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks for having me, Craig. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Inside Talent. Learn more about the future of talent today at InsideTalent.org, where you can sign up for regular updates, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.